You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking to our learning stuff and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions in the comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com. And, of course, I will answer as many as I can. Or you can go to our webpage, letstalktorah.net. There's no apostrophes. Letstalktorah.net. All the archives are there. Uh, we have our special donate button, which I hope you'll hit. Uh, we have different levels. Um, it's important for us to allow the show to continue to grow, to take care of our expenses. So if you could hit that button, that would be a wonderful thing to do, especially right now during the Rosh Hashanah High Holiday Time. Um, you can do it in memory of someone. You can ask for a shout-out, put it in the comments over there. Um, or you can keep it anonymous like a lot of people like to do. We can do that as well. Well, school has finally started. Yay, school! At least that's what the parents are all screaming. Um, yay, school, it's time to get everybody out of the house, into the classroom, let's go learn something. So we have, at the beginning of every school year, many schools do this, of course, there's meetings, and the school bring in someone to talk to the teachers, and they like to bring in special ed experts because the special expert will special special ed um, specialist will tell us that um, we can teach all children like why are we only teaching some the the methods that work for for the special needs works for everybody um, so we had Rick Lavoie he was great so he said um, he has he's famous for like Fat City. If you're not a teacher, you don't know about it. But look him up. I can't spell his name. But Rick Lavoie, he has a couple books out there. He, he's really great. Packed, packed stuff from Boston. Great Boston accent. So he said a great story. Um, there was a snowstorm, and the children couldn't get into the building till the till whoever it was came, the janitor, whoever came in, and would shovel off the staircase so the kids could walk up. So there was a ramp on the side because there was a special needs child in a wheelchair, and the child says to the janitor, you know, um, if you could shovel the ramp, then I could get in. So the janitor says, I don't understand you. There's hundreds of children here that are waiting to go up the stairs. There's one child, you, waiting to use the ramp. Who do you think I should go... I should work on first, the staircase or the ramp. So this very intelligent child says, if you shovel the ramp, everyone can walk up the ramp. If you shovel the stairs, only those without wheelchairs can get up. So shoveling my ramp is not for one person. Everyone benefits. So it's just like a beautiful thought to to get everybody into the mode that just because, you know, the standard methodology works for everybody, but some children need a special path, but that path helps everybody. So why not use the path that helps everybody? That was the, 
That was the gist. Okay. So let's talk about this week's story portion. We're getting close to the high holidays already. We're getting towards the end of the fifth book of Moses. Of uh, We're up to the Torah portion called Kisavo. And starts with Bikurim, which we're going to talk about in the next show. As a lot of blessings and curses in this Torah portion. So it says, when the Jewish people, Moses tells the Jewish people, when you enter the land of Israel, you're going to march to these two mountains. One mountain is called Hagrizim, one is called Ha'evel. It's in the verse themselves, it's a, it's, it's a question of how you understand the directions that the Jewish people were given how to travel. Um, in any case, they're going to these two big mountains. Some say it's not big mountains, it's just, uh, just two areas, and they're going to call them these two things. Uh, but there are those who say nowadays we do know where these two mountains are. And it is fascinating that one of these mountains is beautiful. Greenery, flowers, trees, and one mountain is barren. And it's interesting because one mountain, they aimed the blessings towards that mountain, and one mountain they aimed the curses. Now, it doesn't mean if you're standing on the mountain for the blessing, how greasy you're getting blessings, and if you're standing on the mountain for the curse, you're getting curses. It doesn't mean that. As we're going to have six of the tribes on one mountain, six of the tribes of the other mountain, we're going to have the elders of the Levites and the priests, the Kehanim, will be in between, and they'll have the ark, and the, the Kohanim, the Levim, will be facing Hagrizim when they say the blessing, and both mountains will answer, Amen. Then they're going to turn and face Harevel, and again, they're going to say the curse, and again, everybody will answer, Amen. It's an interesting number, there's only 11. There are 11 blessings, which is almost the number of 12 tribes, so you would think there should be 12, and somehow you got to figure out how each blessing slash curse applies to a specific tribe. Otherwise, why the magic number 12? The only problem is the number is only 11. So they explain that it is true that every tribe has one of those that's more specific to them. However, the tribe of Shimon, of Simon, there isn't one that represents or is aimed towards him. And the reason is because Moses, in the last Torah portion, the Torah portion of his Osabracha, has no intention of blessing the tribe of Shimon. They started up. They, at the end of the day, they were responsible with the daughters of Midian and... And it was their leader that starts up with Moses. And therefore, Moses, a lot of them died in a plague. So Moses has some difficulty with them. He doesn't plan on giving them a blessing. But if he doesn't plan on giving them a blessing, then they can't be a curse either. Fear is fear. It is interesting um, in this Torah portion that there's blessing and curse. It's just opposite. You know, it's blessed are the ones who do this, cursed are the ones who don't do this. But in the verse itself... It has the curse. It doesn't have the blessing. It's something to think about, right? In other words, we're all, we all like blessings, right? But a lot of times we'll learn more from curses, which reminds me just something quick. I was studying with somebody last night, and we were talking about that life is not perfect. So he says to me, you know why life is not perfect? 
And we've talked about this in the, with the flood, why the flood had to come, what happened beforehand. But he says, you know why life can't be perfect? Because his name is Steve. So shout out to Steve. If life were perfect, you would never know to recognize when there's blessing in your life. Because everything is great. So if everything is great, so how do you know when you get blessing? So therefore, he says, life is not perfect. There's trials and tribulations. There's suffering. There's all kinds of stuff. But that way, you know when you get a blessing, you know when you get a blessing. That's a very powerful thought that my friend said last night when we were officially studying, but was more... One of these, every once in a while, he just has a couple of questions he'd rather throw at me, and we discuss it. We talk about the high holidays and stuff and chauffeur. But this was his thought, and I think it's really a very beautiful thought. In any case, um, the last blessing slash curse is as follows it says, anyone who does not, uh, it says, as I see, he doesn't stand up, he doesn't hold up the words of the Torah, will be cursed. Now, the idea of the whole Jewish people being here, and part of the idea of all of these blessings and curses, is that the Jewish people take responsibility for each other. What does responsibility mean? Responsibility means, and again, we've talked about this a lot of times, but it certainly bears repeating, Responsibility means that I don't get to say it's none of my business. I watch you doing something, I watch you doing something wrong, and I say, eh, it's none of my business, you know, you know, do whatever you want. Who cares? There's no such thing as who cares. They actually explain now that our high holidays coming up that the world, we're, as individuals, were judged, and as a world, we're judged. That means that everything I do good weighs down the side of good for the whole world. And everything bad weighs down the side for everything bad. So we are responsible for each other because everything we do affects one another. Now, it's interesting, again, this Rick Lavoie said uh, the other day, he loves global reward. Oh, this boy, this girl did something very wonderful. The class, therefore will earn X. But he hates global punishment. Because he said, I mean, this guy talks straight, so it's really fantastic. He says, global punishment means that the teacher gets up there and says, oh, Gloria here? Because Gloria didn't do her homework, you're, um, you're going to have an extra five questions on the test or something like that. So Rick says, that really means, guys, I'm not allowed to discipline or punish Gloria, but you guys could for me, right? That's global punishment, right? So of course he's very anti such a thing. But okay, let's let's back up. So we're talking about we're talking about responsibility. So the Jewish people becomes responsible for each other. We need to encourage, help, teach, show the how everyone's supposed to behave. If they're not behaving the way we want them to behave, then we have to we have to tell them what to do. We have to help them. We have to teach them. You know, it's the beginning of my year. It's amazing. The beginning of the school year is a totally different kind of teaching that we do. In the beginning of the school year, 
I, I have to teach you what's acceptable behavior. You've been free for a whole summer. You, you, you are not understanding what is expected. So I'm not punishing you every time you do something wrong. I am teaching you this is acceptable, this is not acceptable. And we're, we're not embarrassing anybody because we're explaining it's, it's global. It's global that I have to teach you how to behave. But I'm not giving a punishment for it. But I, I have to point it out. And I have to point that out again. And I have to point that again. And slowly but surely, and there were only two days in, so it does take some time to get everybody on the same page, or even those individuals. Uh, this year I have some challenging individuals, and I spoke to one of the mothers already, and she knows, which is nice. It would have been nice for her to call me, so I would have some type of plan. But there are some difficult children, and we're going to have to help them and teach them and, and, and at least get them to have the basic skills of what's accepted what's not acceptable, and then we have to figure out some ways to help them, you know, just not fall off the tracks. Right now, some of them are falling off the tracks, and we keep picking them up, and we're working on it. But we'll, we'll get there. It takes, it takes time. It could take a week or two. It's not uh, unheard of. And since I know that this is all part of the teaching plan, why would I get frustrated? I'm not frustrated that he can't behave. It's not... He's not trying to punish me. He's not trying to hurt me. He just doesn't either have the ability for certain things or the understanding, and it's going to take time. We're going to figure it out in any case. Uh, but I wanted to take this, again, blessing slash curse. And I was, if you hold up the Torah, there's a blessing. If you do not hold up the Torah, there is a curse. So first we need to know like this. Ramban explains, very interesting, the case over here is not that you didn't uphold the Torah and you did something wrong. Everybody does something wrong. We are not perfect individuals. We are not perfect human beings. There is no such thing. If I was perfect, what does God need me for? I am not perfect. I make mistakes. What it means that the person who doesn't uphold the Torah means a person who denies part of the Torah. He says that this command it's not that it's too hard for me, I tried, I would like to do it, it just doesn't work out for me. Okay, at least you know that it exists. Okay, you got a difficulty with it. Okay, we all have difficulties. No problem. But if you say, I know that there, there's 613 commandments, but these four, I don't believe God gave them. You know, years ago I had a guy tell me, you know, most people know it says pig is not kosher. So a guy said, it doesn't make sense. If God understood how tasty pig meat is, he never would have made this command. I can't remember how many years ago somebody told that to me. It was like many, many years ago. That's denying. To deny that God said it, that's called not upholding the Torah. Now we got a problem. That, that type of statement, that is a problem, to deny. Which again, is, you know, it fits in very good with teaching. We're, as long as we understand that we can all make mistakes, so you make a mistake, I correct it, we move on. You're not a, you're not a bad person. You're not, a, you're, not a, a, you're not a spiteful child. You just don't understand, or maybe you don't have the ability. Fine. 
So we have to figure out a way to make it work because you have a difficulty. You make mistakes. So that's not what we get upset for. If you deny that you did something wrong, like every time I, I have to speak to a student and I say, you know, you did this wrong. So if the child says I made a mistake and I teach them, if, if you understand you made a mistake, we're going to work on this mistake. But if you deny doing anything, you know, children are good at that. And adults are also, by the way. Right? They deny they did something wrong, right? Every criminal right, denies. And every person who's caught speeding denies. Right? If we deny, I can't talk to you. What, what do you want me to say? I say you did something wrong, you deny it. Because you think you can get away with it. Okay, so th then I can't talk to you. However, it is interesting. There is another... Um, is like all verses, is they're multifaceted. So there's another explanation on this verse, and that is if someone were to drop a Torah scroll. Now, many almost all are familiar. Dropping a Torah scroll is like, like the end of the world, for good reason. Um, so Rick Lavoy, he's not Jewish, but he speaks in a lot of Jewish day schools. So it seems he was somewhere in L.A., and he was in a synagogue, and he was using a projector. But he needed something to boost up the projector. So he goes and he takes a bunch of, of Torah books. And he's going to use them to support the projector. Now that's a no-no. But it's only a no-no if that's your culture, right? If, how would he know? Like, so he tells, he tells us multiple times during his lecture. He's, he speaks like two separate times. He says, if I do something wrong, if I say something wrong, if I say something that's insulting, you got to tell me, because I, I have no other way of knowing. So um, in any case, um, it is famous, this concept that dropping a Torah scroll is, is a terrible thing, and uh, people will fast, or people will give a lot of charity in place of the fasting. That's pretty standard. Um, so Rishlam Gruskin. Oh, blessed memory. He used to be a rabbi in Detroit many, many years ago. He sent a letter to Moshe Feinstein asking the source of, of this idea of, of not being able to hold up a Torah scroll. And some say it's from the verse that I just said. So um, at the end, Moshe said it's a custom. The idea of fasting of a Torah scroll drops is not, a, is not coming from a verse. It's, it's just a custom. And then the following story is told, and I don't remember if Moshe told the story to this from some Gruskin or somebody else quoting the story is quoting the story. But the story goes like this. Um, the head of Velazhin, the head of Velazhin was like from the earliest Torah schools in a place called Velazhin in Europe and Lithuania, and many great rabbis went through that school. And the head of the school was known by his acronym. He was known as the Nitziv. And one time he's holding a Torah scroll and he fell. And let's assume he fell and he's holding the Torah scroll and he fell and he's holding it. And people ran to pick up the Torah scroll. So Belchanan Wasman said, you fools. You're picking up the book and you're not picking up the living Torah scroll. Like, y y you missed the boat, right? Here's the rabbi who who is the living embodiment of what the Torah represents, but you're showing more concern for the Torah scroll 
which again, very important, right? Don't get me wrong, very important, but not like the living Torah scroll, right? You you you're miss you, you've got your your uh, your um, your priorities are misguided. So it happens, right? We we as important as the rules are, we sometimes have to recognize, right? What's we we get into the nitty gritty sometimes, and we are not looking at the global picture. And I think that's what he was trying to point out. So the next verse, the next verse says that it says I'll quote the verse. It'll be you will certainly listen to the voice of your God to watch and to do, and then Hashem, then God will make you in charge. So, but again, the verse is very interesting. If you will listen to the voice of God. What do you mean if you'll listen to the voice of God? If you'll do what God says. You do what God says, he'll make you in charge. Great, beautiful. What's this listening business? Now, it happens to be that this is a very famous verse for a totally separate reason. And that is, if you will certainly listen. It's like a double language. If you will listen, listen. We translate that into English as you will certainly listen. But in the literal translation, the literal translation is if you will listen, listen. Or if you will hear, hear. Right? What's this double language? So the Talmud says it's talking about reviewing what you study. We don't just study something once and we're good to go. Oh, I, I, I studied that already. I learned that already. I know that stuff already. That's not how Torah works. You need to constantly review. So the Torah is pointing out to you the importance of, I studied it, and I studied it again. You know, just again, for people who study for tests and other things, when you study it, and then you come back and you review it again, there's power there. It's, it, you, you, get a, you get a clarity. And when you get a clarity, you understand and remember things much better. That's just the way things are. But we're going to take this in a little bit different direction. As we've been doing lately, Levi Yitzhak brings a medrash. The medrash says that every day a baskel, a heavenly voice, comes out and says, repent, my children. So he says that, now, you can't put on a tape recorder, a recorder, not a tape recorder. Right? You, can't, you can't put on a listening device, uh, some type of recorder, to hear that heavenly voice not working. It's not broadcast that way. But our souls, our neshama, are in tune with that voice. So now the verse is saying, it will be if you will listen. Meaning, if your soul is in tune, right? So then, then, and you'll listen to the voice of God, and you'll repent, then that's right, this is what we're talking about at the end of the year, then God will love you, right? God loves, right? This language of Ahaya, right, is a language of joy. So it's the high holiday season. So God says, if you return to me, no one's perfect. No one is perfect, right? But if you have the ability to go ahead at least and try to repent, repent really means at least in, in, the, in this Sefer, in the Kedush Slavi, he says the idea of repenting is, really, I want to do this. I would much rather do, I'd rather eat this non-kosher sandwich. I'd rather not keep the this, this Sabbath. 
but I know God that you want me to, to, to do what's right. Even though I don't want to, but I know that's what you want. That's what God loves, right? In other words, I'm coming to serve God. Um, so it's interesting. Remeyer had a teacher by the name of Acher. It's called Another. Brilliant. He's from the time of the Mishnah. And the verse says, it seems this, this heavenly voice says, everyone can repent except for this guy Acher. So even when his student tried to get him to repent, so he was unable, he says, I can't repent. God's not letting me repent. So the truth is that this Acher misunderstood. God helps everyone repent. But some people that should know better, or this Acher, get to a point where God says, I'm not helping. But if you repent, of course I'm going to take you with open arms. Everyone could repent. But, the, but some people have to work a little bit harder and earn the right, earn the ability to repent. And that's what's going on over here. That God is saying, if you listen to that voice, to that heavenly voice, and you will repent, so God says, I love you. If I love you, I'm going to make you in charge. And here comes the music. So, as always, I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, our wonderful sponsor, listeners, and I can't do it without you. And thank you for the production team. We have Alan in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. For the world we're gonna make There's a house